And when that day comes, it'll be too late. But while we yet have the opportunity, we need to thank the Lord and give him the praise and honor and glory he rightly deserves. And then we need to do all we can for the Lord. God owes us nothing. I know some of us have a problem accepting that. God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe me anything. We owe him everything. He let you wake up this morning. That's enough. Well, I woke up this morning, but I wasn't in a good situation. Yeah, but the fact he let you wake up means that there's hope. You trust him. As Sister Tammy taught in uh, Sunday school this morning, and put your faith in him. Don't let your faith waver. I don't feel like I'm getting any better. That's all right. You still are. I don't see an opportunity for employment to come my way. That's all right. It's still coming. I don't see me having a good relationship again with my mom or my daddy or my spouse or my children. I, I, I don't see folks uh, 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 forgetting what I used to be and looking at who I am. That's all right. They will. And if they don't, God will give you a new set of friends. Come on now. God owes us nothing. We owe him everything. Because every day he allows you to live, there's always the possibility that he will turn your situation around, no matter what it is. Doctors say you got some disease. You may have it yesterday. God lets you live today. God will say it's gone. Oh, come on now. Y'all have heard the reports of folks saying, they got told this day they went to the doctor and the doctor saw something and we don't know what to do. And they went back two or three weeks later, a month later, because they supposed to have surgery or some kind of follow-up. And the doctor said, I don't know where it went, but it ain't here no more. God is able. Come on now, he's able. You better act like you know. I know, I know. Father God, we thank you for this preaching opportunity. Use me as you will to glorify yourself on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Give an honor to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us thank the Lord for this male course. Amen. Amen. Uh, to my sister and brother in Christ, uh, certainly to uh, Deacon Jones, who's still here in the pulpit with us, um, the others who are not here, Reverend Lee and Reverend uh, Stevenson, uh, to the leadership of this church, and to all of you, we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be before you long, and I, and I know I say that, but I'm not. Um, the message this morning, I wanted to kind of tie it into what Deacon Jones had told me was the, the theme and the sub-theme of um, this National Labor's Day. So, I believe I have done that. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 11 through 13 is what we're going to look at, and we're going to be out the way. Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. I feel uncomfortable this morning, y'all. I feel uncomfortable because I'm not in my church costume. I'm in this suit and tie. I don't like it. I really don't. Uh, y'all know, Salem knows when, I'm, when we go out somewhere, I'll wear a suit and tie because that's kind of an expectation, but when I'm at home, I want to be in my church costume. But uh, Deacon Jones asked me, Pastor, because it is National Layman's Day, and the men of the church are going to wear black suits and white ties and, and, and red, uh, black suits, white shirts, and red ties. Will you? I said, yes, and, and Chair Deacon has his own, so I guess I got, to try to, I got to try to act right. But I tell you, I feel like something crawling all over me. I, I, want, to, I want to be in my church costume. 
Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. This is what Paul said to the, the, the church folks, the saints in Rome. And if you will, I'm going to read this uh, from the New International Version. It says, uh, begin at verse number 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him, to God, as instruments of righteousness. Look at verse 13 again. Look at verse 13 again. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. I'm going to tell you why that is in a minute. And offer the parts of your body to him, to God, as instruments of righteousness. Just for a few minutes, uh, church family, let us reason together from this thought. Put your body in check. Put your body in check. As long as I can remember, and some of you all probably can, uh, 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 you know, you can attest to this as well. There's a popular notion that's, that's always been around that, that sometimes as human beings, we, we just can't control ourselves. There's a notion that's been around for years that just sometimes, you know, I, I just can't control myself. There have been songs and poems and books and movies all based on the idea that in some situations, our bodies just do whatever they want to do without us engaging our minds at all. Amen now. Examples. There's a song that's called Michael Jackson. Y'all remember this song, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. You're lying if you say you don't remember it. You're in church. Don't lie because you're in church now. You know you remember. You might not dance to it, but you remember it. And, and, and if y'all remember the song, before he starts singing, Stephen DeVito know, he talks a little bit before he starts the singing, and he's talking real low like somebody got something on his throat. And the music just so bad, man. And then he says, I just can't help myself. You know, he said when the music starts playing, he just, he just can't help himself. And, you know, ow, and then he goes into the singing, right? It wasn't good, but I tried. Y'all quit laughing. What about that movie called Teen Wolf? <clears throat> movie called Teen Wolf, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was a young man that somehow or another, I don't know if he was bitten by a werewolf, but anyway, bottom line was every time the full moon came out, he turned into a wolf. In fact, it was hereditary because his daddy had been a wolf before him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's what it was. And he couldn't help it. He couldn't control when he would and would not turn into a wolf. He mastered it at the end. But at the beginning, just certain things happened. He just turned into a wolf. Amen? There's a famous book that, now this is way back. I don't expect anybody under probably 40 years old to remember this. But there was a famous book called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was written by a guy named Robert Louis Stevenson. This guy, Dr. Jekyll, had created a serum, a serum, a formula, and when he took it, it would transform him into this monstrous being, Mr. Hyde, who would go around and just kill folk and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And Dr. Jekyll, for a long time, had no control 
over when Mr. Hyde would come out, right? The point I'm making is that there's always been in our culture this idea that there are times in our lives where we just can't control what happens to us and our, our bodies just take control. And, and so whatever I did, you know, well, I, I can't help it because it, it wasn't me that was in control. But, and, and I admit, let, let me be for real, for real. I admit there have been times in my life that I wished I could say that something I did or something I said was out of my control. Amen. I admit that. There have been times in my life, as I look back over my life, I wish I could say that something I said or something I did was out of my control. My body just overruled my mind, and oops, there it is. All right. Amen? I wish I could do that, but, but that's not true. That's not true. That's just simply not true. Now, I respectfully acknowledge that there are some people whose minds don't function in ways that we consider to be normal, and therefore they may not have control or what we might call conscious control of their words or their actions. And, and some of us have family members and friends living this way. So I acknowledge respectfully some people have an actual medical condition that may, uh, may make it so that uh, their minds are not really always controlling uh, the, 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 the reactions of their body. But you and I know that for most people, the reason why we do what we do is because we make wrong choices that result in wrong behavior. We can blame the wine, the weed, or the whatever we want. And I did them all. Wine, weed, and whatever else. But we still had the opportunity to stop ourselves before we said or did something that was wrong. Our bodies didn't just ambush our minds and take control. That's not what happened. So let's be real with ourselves as we think about what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church folks in Rome in chapter 6. Amen. If we look back to chapter 1 of the book in Romans, Paul calls these Roman Christians the saints of God. Listen now. He calls them saints because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Every person today, you, you, and you, who believes in Jesus Christ, you are a saint of God. Amen. You don't have to do anything to earn that title. It's not how good or bad you are. If you, if you have said, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins, I'm asking you to become my personal Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, and you become a saint of God because of what Jesus did. Not because we're so holy, but because we have faith of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. When we get to chapter 6, and then we look at verses 1 through 11. Now we're where we are today. Go to chapter, back to chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Paul takes great care to explain that, we accept G, that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become one with him spiritually. Amen now. That's important for you to remember. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become one with him spiritually. Paul says it's just like we died with Jesus on the cross and we rose with him early on that Sunday morning. That's what Paul says. He says when you accept Jesus, you become one with him, and it's just like you died with him on that cross and like you got up with him on that Sunday morning. Paul reminds the saints in Rome that when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus became the sin of all humanity. When Jesus died, 
the sin nature of mankind died with him. We had a sin nature after Adam. And we carried that sin nature, all humanity, we carried it up to the point where Jesus died on that cross. There is no longer a sin nature in those who accept Jesus Christ. Amen. It died. It died right then. That's why we can all come to Jesus and be saved. Our sin nature stayed buried when Jesus got up from the grave. In verse number 11, Romans 6, verse 11, Paul says the saints are God are dead to sin, but, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. That's what he said. He said we are dead to sin, but we are alive to Jehovah God, God the Father. How? Through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, let's keep going. Verses 12 and 13. Paul tells the Romans to not let sin control their bodies, but rather the saints, you and me, should offer our bodies to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul was telling the church folks that because they're one with Christ, they have his power to control themselves and to put their bodies in check. Because we're one with Jesus and because we have his power, his power will allow us to control ourselves and put our bodies in check. If the Roman saints back in the day could put their bodies in check, we can put our bodies in check too. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hadn't changed. The same power available to the old saints is still available to us today. You got to believe that though, y'all. You, you, you got to believe it. Tammy really hit that thing home this morning. You've got to believe it. It's true already. Whether you, I don't feel like it, that's not what the word says. Nobody else is, 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 is telling me that about myself. That's not what the word says. The word says it's real. Now, either you believe it or you don't. It really is just that simple. Amen, amen. Listen, we can put our bodies in check, and just in case you don't know, when you put something in check, it means you are exercising authority and control over whatever it is. And by the way, let me just put this little footnote. When I say your body's in check, I'm saying using your mind to put your body, what you say, what you do, in check. Amen? So when you put something in check, you are exercising authority and control over whatever it is. Back in the day, parents used to put children in check to keep children from growing up with bad attitudes and bad behavior. Your parents may not have put you in check. Leroy Horsley almost killed me. Leroy Horsley was one of them Negroes just look at you, and you knew right then, oh, Lord, I'm going to die today. I don't, I, don't, I don't trespass. I don't cross that boundary. And as soon as he can get me home, I say goodbye to all the folks where I was because y'all might not see me again after the day. Because Leroy Horsley has given me that look, and I know I may not survive what's getting ready to come. Y'all laugh. I'm for real. Like I tell y'all, my daddy was six foot four, 275, 80 pounds all my life until he got old. And he was still about half wretched then at times if he got ready to be, right? They would put us in check, y'all. Y'all know the deal. They would put us in check because they didn't want us growing up with bad attitudes and bad behavior. In other words, parents made children respect them and other people. 
There are times when adults need to be put in check. If we as adults are being mean or insensitive or disrespectful or out of control. Yeah, we need to be put in check too. Here's a good example. You can't just say whatever's in your head to somebody. You just can't. It's not even a matter of the fact that the person may get mad and say something ugly back or get mad and want to fight you. It's the fact that if you're a Christian, it's not godly. It's not godly for you to just say whatever comes to your head. You can't just, you just can't keep saying, well, uh, you, you gossiping about folk. And like I say, if you weren't an eyewitness to it, then it's gossip. It really is, even if it's somebody you can trust. Because, see, here's what it is. Steve would tell me something, and I'll tell Brian. And uh, Brian said, well, where do you get that from, Steve? And I said, you know, I know I can trust Steve. And then come to find out, Steve got it about from 15 more folk. <laughs> Steve didn't bitten them on know it was any truth to it than a man in the moon. But somebody told him, and so he, it sounded good, so he told me. So, so I need to be put in check. If I'm running around telling, spreading information, and listen, I said this the other day, and it's true too. Sometimes, I said it Friday night. Even sometimes when we are told truthful things about folks, we still don't need to tell everybody. We still don't need to tell everybody. Everybody, as, and, and the Bible says as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to protect each other's reputation anyway. You know, people say, well, I don't let folk talk about my pastor. And I appreciate that, but listen, let me say respectfully, brothers and sisters, you shouldn't let folk talk about your church, brothers and sisters, either. Not somebody outside the church. You should, if you don't say no more, then no, whoa, 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 no, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't know him that way. I don't know her that way. That's a good brother, sister in Christ, and I know them how I know. But, but, but even adults sometimes, we need to be put in, put in check. We got a man sitting in Washington, D.C. right now, needs to be put in check. And half the folks there are willing to put him in check, but the other half of the folks that have the authority to do it, they won't do a thing, so they let them run wild, and we get what we get, right? God will put them in check when the right time comes, though. God, God, will, God is going to deal with that when his time comes. So, but, 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 but I just want us to know that uh, it's easier for us to decide sometimes that somebody else needs to be put in check, but a lot of times we don't recognize when we need to be put in check. See, I can see all your faults but I don't sometimes see my own mess. In, the, in these two verses, getting back to this, 12 and 13, in these two verses, Paul is telling the Roman Christians uh, that the saints of God, listen to me, are required. It's not an option. We are required to constantly examine ourselves and put our bodies in check as needed. We have to do this, saints, so we can serve God with a clean and clear spiritual conscience. We do this so we can serve God with a clean and clear spiritual conscience. God puts desires or longings in all of us. Now, we have desires. We have longings. That's, God put that in us. We desire to be healthy. We desire to be safe. We desire to be financially secure. We desire to have loving relationships or at least very respectful, trustworthy relationships with people, even including our romantic relationships. So nothing's wrong with that. God put that in us. But if we don't keep ourselves in check, our desires can quickly turn into lust. Lust is ungodly desire. Lust is ungodly desire. Lust is desire out of control. Lust is evil and lust is harmful. 
Lust is a sin, not just sexual lust, all kinds of lust. Lust for power, lust for fame, lust for recognition, lust, lust, lust for being self-centered. Got to be my way. If it ain't my way, I'm going to get mad and go home. According to 1 John 2 and 16, 1 John 2 and 16, all human beings have to wrestle with the lust of the flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life. Every one of us, we have to wrestle with that. Even when I get saved, I still have to wrestle with those things. Brenda, that, Brenda, that don't leave me just because I'm saved now. It may not control me like it did before I was saved, but it doesn't go away just because I can say, God knows I'm a witness to that. It don't just leave because we're saved now, I'm telling you. We are under the control, when we are under the control of lust, we will say or do anything to get who or what we want. We don't care who we hurt or harm as long as we satisfy our lust cravings. And when we allow lust to take control, we are committing sin against God. Amen. Amen now. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ walked the earth and he overcame the lust of the flesh. He overcame the lust of the eyes. He had victory over the pride of life. And Jesus said, because he overcame the lust of this world, we can do the same. Amen. Jesus will protect us and he will keep us from sin if we ask for his help. Sometimes the difference in my sinning and your sinning and not is we simply don't ask the Lord to stop us and help us before we do what we know we shouldn't be doing. Not only what we do, my thoughts, my words. Because the Bible says we can, we can even take, matter of fact, it says take control of your own thoughts. Yeah, you might think badly about somebody, or you might have an ill thought, or you might have an a, 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 a immoral or impure thought, but you don't have to wallow in it. When it comes to your mind, re, rebuke yourself in the name of Jesus. Y'all don't know, I wish I had a dollar for every time I rebuke myself. I'd be a millionaire. Sometimes I want to say something. Sometimes I think things. Sometimes I want to do things that are not of God at all. And I have to rebuke myself in the name of Jesus. I have to pray, Lord, protect me from me in the name of Jesus. Oh, y'all good church folk. I'm sorry. Y'all, y'all, I'm sorry. Y'all, y'all the sanctified saints. I need, I need to talk to the saints that been through some stuff like me. Amen. Anyway, anyway. If we ask the Lord, he will protect us and keep us from sin. I'm a, I'm a witness that he'll do it if we ask for his help. Let me share with you just a few scriptures that, can, that prove that we can have victory over sin. Romans 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says, For the law of the Holy Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, listen now, has made me free from the law of sin and death. If you don't believe it, you go talk to Paul when you see him in heaven. He wrote it, and God allowed him, because the Bible says men wrote the word as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That was Romans 8, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation, no lust of any kind has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So in other words, you can't have an excuse where mine is just worse than anybody else. You will lie. No, it ain't. Yours ain't no worse than nobody else's. Yours ain't no more deeper than anybody else's. Yours ain't no more serious than anybody else. All of us have been through. It says, such as no lust has, has overtaken you, such as is common 
to man. Everybody goes through this. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Listen now, here's the blessing, and here's the promise. But with the temptation, with that lust feeling coming on you, whatever type of lust it is, God will also make the way of escape that you will be able to bear it, which means that you won't have to go into it. Amen now. That's what the word says. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. For in that he himself, who are they talking about? Jesus Christ. For in that Jesus Christ has suffered being tempted. Jesus was tempted? The word says he was. Because he was human for a period of time. He was God wrapped in human flesh. The, holy, the God in him was, was, was holy and righteous, but the human in him was just as carnal and subject to carnality as any of the rest of us. Well, that's what it says here. For Jesus Christ himself has suffered being tempted, but he is able to aid those who are tempted. He suffered being tempted. He didn't fall to it. And he's able to help us who are tempted. What did I say when you asked for his help, right? Here's the last one. 2 Peter chapter 2, 9, the A part of verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 2, the A part of verse 9 says, Then the Lord Jesus knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Who are the godly? We are. We're the godly. You don't always look godly. You're still godly. You don't always feel godly. You're still godly. You don't always talk godly. You're still godly. You don't always act right. You're still godly. No, why? Not because of you, but because you are connected. You are one with Jesus. If it's not true, the Bible is not truth. And I believe the Bible's true. 2 Peter 2 and 9 says, Then the Lord Jesus knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. So if we ask the Lord Jesus, he will help us. He'll strengthen us. He'll, he'll provide a means of escape if that's what we need so that we don't have to continually keep falling in to giving in to any kind of lustful or temp, temptation or lustful of, of, of mind of, of thought that may come upon us. Paul told the Romans to put their bodies in check and allow God to use them for righteousness purposes. So here's the bottom line, church family. God wants to use all of us for righteousness. He wants to use all of us for righteousness. How do you know that, preacher? Because in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it was interesting. I heard um, Brian used uh, Romans 12 and 2 in, 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 his, in his message. Romans 12, verse 1. This is from the New American Standard. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Brethren means women and men. That's all of us. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Listen, that's acceptable to God. And then here's the key part of it. Which is your spiritual service of worship? When we present our minds and our bodies as sacrifices to God, we are worshiping God. I keep telling folks, and I don't mean Ronald Salem folks per se, but I keep telling people that I have conversations with, it ain't how you talk Jesus that makes a difference in people's lives. It's how you live Jesus. 
I don't care if you can quote every passage in Scripture from Genesis 1 to 1 to Revelation, whatever the last of that is. That's all good. But if in your daily living, people don't see some of that fruit of the Spirit in your life found in Galatians 5, 22, 22. if they don't see that in your life, they ain't going to see no Jesus. That's Jesus Christ right there. Because he displayed every one of those things in his life. And we won't have them all on display all the time, but as you have, me, heard, have heard me say, you ought to be able to display some of them sometime. Somebody ought to be able to look at your life and see some of those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit and know that the reason why you roll that way is because you have a relationship with the Lord. He wants to use us for righteousness. Amen. And when we walk in righteousness and walk under the the control of God, the Holy Spirit, that is our service to the Lord. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have to put our bodies in check. We need to stop making excuses for ourselves. We need to stop making excuses for ourselves. Edwin needs to stop making excuses for Edwin. Amen. And I need to say no to my ungodly desires. Have you ever just tried saying no to yourself? Just say no to yourself. Something comes into your mind to think, say, or do, and just tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do it. In the name of Jesus, I'm I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Watch the Lord keep you. Christians should only allow God, the Holy Spirit, to control us. We should only allow, and I say allow because we have the opportunity to say no to the Holy Spirit too. But we should only allow God, the Holy Spirit, to control us. The Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus said, and he will always encourage us to do the right thing. Let's remember this. Unsaved folks are watching us all the time. Whether you believe it or not, whether you care or not, they are. If you claim you're a Christian, you say you go to anybody's church, unsaved folks are watching you all the time. And they're watching how we live to help them decide if their lives will be better if they submit their lives to Jesus. Do you, rem- do you understand how serious that is? What a responsibility that is. There's somebody that's unsaved that knows you from some area of your life. That man or that woman, that child is watching you. And they're watching how you live day in and day out to see if I give my life to this Jesus that Horsley says he's given his life to, is my life going to be any better? Because I'm looking at his life to see if my life is going to be any better, because he claims his life is great or it's going to be better, tell me all the time it's going to be great if I give it to Jesus. Well, how come his life is so jacked up? Amen now. Amen. So you need to keep that in mind. Unsafe folks are watching us all the time, and they're watching us to see how we live, and it's going to help some of them decide whether or not they're going to give their lives to Jesus based on how they see us live. It's a serious and a heavy responsibility to carry, but we can do it. We can do it. We can do it in the name of Jesus. Put your body in check. Don't be controlled by sin. You don't have to be controlled by sin because Jesus Christ died to give you the power. When he allowed himself to be taken to Pilate's judgment hall and they beat him and they spit in his face, they pulled the very hair out his beard. Jesus had the power to drop them all dead with just a thought. But he put his body in check controlled himself. When he let them take him outside Pilate's judgment hall and they took that that cat and nine whip and they beat Jesus within a breath of his life. They beat Jesus so badly his flesh was falling off his body. 
The Bible says, and, and people have accounted, you could see the, the, the ribs in his back because they had beaten that much flesh off him. Jesus was nearly dead when they finished whipping him. But he put his body in check. He suffered it all. He had a goal in mind, Montana. He wasn't going to give it up. He was going to fulfill his mention. When Jesus carried that 200, 250, 300-pound cross up Galgotha's hill, already half dead, he didn't have to carry it all the way by himself, but he carried it most of the way, and he carried the final portion of it. When Jesus was carrying that cross, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. At any point in time he wanted to, he could have just made it all stop. But his father had told him, this is what I want you to do. And he had said back in the garden, Father, not my will, but your will be done. So what did Jesus do? He put his body in check. He, he, he resisted the pain and the shame, and he let it go on. Let them nail him in his hands and his feet. Let them pierce him in his side. Put his body in check. The Bible says there were angels all around just waiting for Jesus to give the word. If Jesus had said, come take me off this cross and, sla and slaughter all of them, the angels would have responded immediately. But he put his body in check because he was thinking about every one of us sitting here today. He wanted us to be able to have power to overcome our flesh. Jesus didn't let them kill him. He gave up his life. He said, Father, into my hands I commit thy, my spirit. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. He dropped his own head and died. And then he let him take his body down and put it in a borrowed tomb. Stayed there Friday, Saturday, and the Bible says early on that Sunday morning, Jesus got up with all power in heaven and on earth. It's that power that Jesus had that raised him from the dead that he now has direct authority over. Jesus Christ is in control of every living, breathing thing on heaven and on earth right now. It may not seem like it, but don't you fool yourself. Jesus Christ is in control. Whatever happens is either because he makes it happen or he allows it to happen. I don't understand why God lets some things happen. I don't understand either, but I know he's in control and I know he has a plan. All I need to know is if I keep my hand in his hand, he'll help me. Not only be victorious in my personal life, but he'll help me draw others unto himself. You can put your body in check. You can put your body, don't, don't stop, keep, stop, tell, go tell somebody else, don't come tell me, well, you know, I, I just have an old attitude like this sometimes, I can't help it. You're lying, you can't help it. You don't want to help it. Me too now, I'm talking about you talking about me too. Me too. Well, you know, I'm just tired. When I get tired, I get irritable. But you ain't got to cuss nobody out because you're tired and irritable. Just go somewhere and lay your simple self down and go to sleep if you're that tired and irritable. Amen now. Well, you know, I was out with the boys and I was out with the girls and, you know, they, they said, let's go to this place. I didn't really want to go, but, but, but they made me go. No, they didn't make you go. They ain't put no gun to your head. They ain't put no chains or ropes on you, drag you in. You walked in there just like them. Amen now. We can control ourselves. We can put our bodies in check. Save folk can. In the power that's in the blood and name of Jesus. Give God some praise.